Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right, welcome in. Cube Show, College Football Podcast comes to you on Sundays. And got another guest for you this week. We know what a lot of the noise has been, and we're going to dive into it. We're going to talk about it. I will be up front with you guys. It's not one of my favorite topics. It's not something that I really enjoy talking about, but because it is so much, I feel like it's a conversation that probably needs to be had. Um, there have been a lot of you that I've seen, maybe not you, uh, but a lot of folks out there that are sort of celebrating the demise of the NCAA, excited about the fact that the NCAA may be gone, um, asserting the death knell into the NCAA after this latest lawsuit that's coming from Virginia and Tennessee. So I figured let's go get somebody who I know that's educated on it, that knows how to talk about it, and that sees some of the things a little bit differently than I do. Andy Staples is that guy. Uh, every time I hear Andy talk about these things related to the NCAA, name, image, likeness, going away, uh, football, starting its own deal, whatever it is, I learned something from him, reading him, listening to him, or talking to him about it. So he and I had a conversation, and then I said, what do you think about coming on the podcast? We talk about it and kind of get a little back and forth going, help some people understand this thing a little bit better, including myself. Now, like I said, it's not one of my favorite topics, not something that I enjoy. So we'll hit that. And then it's a longer conversation. So not going to get a lot into a bunch of transfers today. Not going to talk about a lot of other things. One thing I do want to talk about, though, is coaching and the coaching carousel, because there's a little bit of misconception happening with that right now as well. First and foremost, you guys know each and every week we are brought to you by Wickles Pickles. It's wickedly delicious. You can find them in your local grocery store. Tell them you don't, if you don't have them in your local grocery store, tell them you want them or go to wicklespickles.com and you'll be able to find them. We keep this giant jar at the house always. We've got them in the fridge um, and they are fantastic. We absolutely love them. They're delicious. Uh, at Wickles Pickles on Instagram, they've got all the different recipes, different things that you might need. So um, Liam Cohen's going to leave Kentucky and go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I'm going to show you something here in a moment that sort of came down with something that I was talking about in reference to this. And I just tweeted out, I quote tweeted somebody that said that they, this was in the, in the works, maybe was going to happen. Rick Stroud tweeted that the Bucks were working on a contract to hire Liam Cohen. So I quoted it and said, but folks will continue to try to tell you large portion are not actively looking to get out. Um, when I say large portion, that's not all, that's not everybody. That's not every single one, but there is a, a large group of coaches that are looking to get out of college football, or maybe that never had the desire to leave college football that now do. I don't like that. I don't love that. And I'm going to tell you some of the reasons why. Um, now then you had, and listen, I love Bud Elliott. I think Bud Elliott is amazing. I learned things from him. Um, I think Bud still listens to this podcast. Maybe he canceled me after we were tweeting back and forth at each other. He's on the other side of this than I am. And that's okay. 
and that's fine. But Bud shares it with his opinion of just like, I don't think this is necessarily the way that it's happening, which is also cool. It's no big deal. Um, but then you get folks who you know cover Nebraska for 24-7 that, and you can see the tweet here on the screen, say, now we're fear-mongering over a former NFL OC leaves after one year back in college ranks return to the NFL. Just a massive false equivalency. This isn't Jeff Halfley, not even close. Well, some folks will tell you that Jeff Halfley didn't even leave because of all the bullshit going on in college football, that he just loved the opportunity and had to go. There seems to be people reporting both sides of that. I don't know Jeff Halfley. I don't know exactly why he left. But I do know that collectively, what we're seeing is a little bit of a different mindset according to this. Now, let me educate you guys with one thing before we go further with this conversation. My opinion on this is based on coaches that I talk to most of the time face-to-face, not even on the phone. And you guys know how I have those conversations. And it's not covering the same college football team every single week and visiting with the exact same coaches every week. Right? Right. So I don't guess at this. I don't think this. These are based on conversations I've had. And 16, 18 different assistant coaches telling me throughout the course of last football season, first possible chance I get, I am out. Goodbye. I can't wait to get to the NFL. Folks, there's only so many spots. And some of these guys have been coaching for 15, 18, 22 years. What are they going to go do? Outside of moving into media, it's not like there's a lot of other jobs that they can just transition to. Number one, that's going to fuel the fire, that's going to give them the fulfillment that they get from coaching, keep them around the game that they love so much, and make anywhere near the money. They're just not out there. Like Hugh Nall, my offensive line coach at Auburn, my second one, you know, he's running a trucking company, and I, I believe he's making similar money to what he was in coaching. Like, there's not a lot of those things that guys can just go do. He was able to find one, and he got out. So... When I tell you guys that I am somewhat alarmed at the amount of college coaches that are looking to get out and that the calendar and the schedule is something that needs to be discussed, I base that on conversations that have taken place and things people have told me. Most likely a conversation with one of the individuals that we've discussed and will discuss on this podcast, a very recent conversation, by the way. And just because you've done something before, doesn't mean you automatically want to go do it again. I sold boxes and insurance when I lived in Huntsville when my media career wasn't working out. I don't want to go back and do that again because it was fucking miserable. So I think there's a part of this that some folks need to try to understand that I don't guess here. This is not what I think. This is not what I believe might be the case. And why is this alarming? Do I think it's every coach? No. Is it going to hurt the product greatly? Maybe not. Maybe it will. I don't think you can definitively say either way. Because the coaches that are rolling, there's no way they're walking away. Like the Kirby Smart to the Atlanta Falcons deal. Come on. That guy is in the midst of an absolute avalanche. Why would he walk away from that? He's not going to. But I do think, and I think you can also kind of roll into this what is happening with some group of five coaches that are giving up head coaching jobs to go be coordinators. Alabama just took two of them. Sean Lewis did it a couple of years ago. 
Now, Sean Lewis got screwed over and should have continued to be the OC at Colorado, and now he's the head coach again at San Diego State. Awesome guy, awesome coach. He's going to be a star in this profession one day and deserves everything that he gets. But my concern with this is we already have enough movement in the coaching profession. There's already more than enough turnover. Staff continuity has been valuable for a long time. We don't have a lot of it anymore. The thing that bothers me and worries me about it is development. And now when you're going to lose players from one system to the next system, to the next terminology, to the next group of fundamentals, to the next group of techniques, that's going to happen all over the place anyway. Now you're going to have more and more coaches on their way in, on their way out. The reason that this is a little bit disturbing to me, and once again, fear-mongering, nobody's telling you college football's crashing because of this, so you can use those phrases if you want to, but that's you putting those words in my mouth, because I never used them. All I'm telling you is I spoke to the guy that you are hypothesizing about. That's it. Now, what bothers me about it is good or great coaches leaving college football. Because there's a lot of guys in this profession, like let's just, the first one that th comes to mind, Derek Mason. I'm glad he's now at Middle Tennessee and he's the head coach again. Derek Mason is a, a human being that I feel like young people need to be around, need to see. He hired another one in Kendall Simmons, who I went to bat for to get a job at Auburn because I thought kids in that facility need to be around him. He's just that incredible of a human being. I don't want those people, because of all the frustrations in college football today, and the calendar, and recruiting, and NIL, and the portal, and early signing day, and regular signing day, and all these other things, I don't want us to lose those kind of people in this sport, because it's just too much. I understand they make a lot of money. I get it. I know. I, I got, no one's saying they don't. But it is becoming an impossible task when you are handed a new deck every single year and maybe not even the deck that you thought you were going to get or that you wanted to play. When you show up to sit down and play single deck blackjack and all of a sudden they bring out the shoot and they've got seven decks, like things change. It's a different game, right? So that was the reason that I went there. And that's the reason that I was talking about it. It's one of the things that we'll hit with Andy Staples, who's going to join us in just a moment. But for me, it is a little bit disturbing. Now, I'm not sounding some five fire alarm telling you that college football is crumbling. It's not what I'm saying. It's just that maybe Jeff Halfley did leave because of the calendar and because it was just too much or Boston College didn't have the NIL to keep up, whatever that was. You know, maybe maybe Liam Cohen did want to stay and coach college football, but it just wasn't worth it. So he took the first thing he could find. I know this. Liam Cohen enjoys the coaching part of college football and helping young men. I do know that. But it's too much for certain people. And that's nothing against them or their mentality or their toughness, anything like that. It's just a lot right now. And. You guys have heard Josh Pate talk about this. I mentioned Bud. I've heard him talk about it. I don't necessarily know exactly how you fix the schedule, the calendar. I really don't. I mean, I think Andy and I are going to talk about how important the portal is in this entire mess and how much of all the vomit on the floor is essentially because of the portal. And you could remove a lot of that potential 
if that could be managed or handled or dealt with in a certain way. So it's just that thing kind of got going. I believe it was on Friday. And I wanted to clear a little bit of that up and share with you guys the reasons that I say some of the things that I do and think some of the ways that I do about what's happening with coaches right now. Because it's based on real conversations that I've had and frustration that I hear and sometimes anger that I hear and that is shared with me. It's not good. It's not great. All right. Nonetheless, a couple of coaching updates we do have. DJ Durkin hired as the Auburn defensive coordinator. Um, I think DJ's a good defensive coordinator. I do think the mix and scheme over the last couple of years has made sort of evaluating him a little bit confusing. Kids do love him, love playing for him. Um, is the risk worth the reward? I don't know. We'll see down the road because you're going to get the negative publicity. People are going to come out and not agree with it, not like it. I think he's good. I think he's got uh, I think he's got a good football mind. I think he's a good recruiter. But I also think that uh, since he was forced to kind of go to that 3-3-5, he stayed three down just a little bit too much. And keep in mind the defensive line talent he had a year ago that clouded a lot of things and helped him greatly with what he actually was. Um, Auburn obviously loses safety Kendarius Reddick to Central Florida. That's a high school recruit. Um, you have to think that this goes right in line with what Auburn recently lost from their staff and Trevon Reed to Central Florida. So that's not great. And now defensive line coach Jeremy Garrett is going to go to the NFL. So there's a lot of staff turnover for Hugh Freeze after one year, a lot. I mean, a whole lot. So I don't really know what to make of it anymore. It's, it's a little bit concerning in my opinion. And as I've tried to tell you guys a couple of weeks ago, it is not all on Hugh. It is not all on the university. So some folks need to really take it down a notch when it comes to that and him potentially pushing some people out. It's not what it was with certain folks. Others just want to leave. Jeremy Garrett's going to the NFL. I feel like we just had a conversation about that. But certain people are going to tell you that I'm fear-mongering when I tell you that a guy wants to go coach in the NFL. Either way, it is what it is. Uh, Alabama's going to hire uh, TCU's Aaron Hayes. As the associate director of player personnel, also uh, Jatavian Sanders from NC State. I've asked around about both. Both have a great reputation. They'll be behind the scenes guys, uh, which that part of the staff that Kalen DeBoer putting together looks to be elite. But again, that's not my strength. I don't really know exactly how those guys operate, what those guys do. I'm just telling you based on conversations when I've gone and asked people about them, they've had good things to say. Um, also, uh, Ole Miss hires Joe Cox as tight end coach. He's been at Georgia. He's been at Alabama, has a great reputation. People love him. I think that's a good gift for Lane Kiffin on that staff. Tennessee's going to hire Caden Crockland, Caden Crockren, uh, as an offensive analyst. He played for Hypel when he was at Oklahoma. So I think that's a good get there as well. So the coaching carousel is going to continue to move. It's happening a little bit later this year. Um, I think some of that is based on where we are in college football. Some of that based on exactly kind of where things are going. The NFL calendar seems to be a little bit later this year also. Some guys just waiting. Um, so either way, prize picks, you do need to know, is America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million followers. Easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. You guys know the big game right around the corner. Prize picks is the easiest and most exciting way to turn every game-changing moment into 100 times your money. It's that simple. Well, as four correct picks, you can go turn $10 into $1,000. Um, it's demon time on prize picks. You can now win up to 100 times your money. All you had to do is, like I said, just go get those four correct picks, turn 10 bucks 
into a thousand bucks. Demons and Goblins, newest, most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red or demons, green or goblins. You get different payouts. You can now go in up to 100 times your money. Just like that. Go. Prize picks even offers injury assurance. So you're in your entry stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games. Listen, if you guys are wondering where to go play, it's prize picks. Easy because they give you a lot of different options, a lot of different ways to play. They have quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, enormous selection of players and stat types is what makes prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Let's make the most of this last game. Go out and get it at Prize Picks. Players and stat types you're selecting. Highlight your winnings from Prize Picks. These are how much fun you could have by watching all these different games that are taking place. PrizePicks.com backslash cube, C U B E. Use promo code CUBE. Get your first deposit matched up to 100 bucks. So if you're looking to get started with Demons and Goblins on the big game, prizepicks.com or go get the app. Use promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E. Put 100 bucks in. You got $200 in. There you go. Prize picks. All right. Andy Staples on three sports. One of the best in the business. I want to have this conversation with him around the NCAA, everything that's happening, the lawsuit. What's the future? Where are we going? How does it all look? Let's get to it now. All right, Andy Staples of the On3 Sports Network covers college football. You guys have seen him, heard him. He's all over the place. Uh, get his podcast wherever you get yours. Also on YouTube, go subscribe there. Um, Andy's podcast has been one of my go-tos for a long time, specifically on my plane rides home after games on Sundays, because uh, just not a lot of folks are coming at you late Saturday night with what happened in the games, and he always gets me caught up. So uh, played his college football at Florida and has done an amazing job covering college football for a long time. Andy, I appreciate you hopping in with us. Unfortunately for you, the main reason you're here is because I feel like maybe my perception's wrong. You actually enjoy discussing something that I despise discussing. Oh, I and- hate discussing it too. <laughs> I just had, I just had to, like when I was at Sports Illustrated, I had to do it a lot. So it, it's one of those kind of when you're at a, a publication that thinks it's like a publication of record, you have to do all these serious, wonky issues. And trust me, Cole, I would much rather be talking about duo. I would much rather be oh. talking about like, uh, the the running back from New Hampshire who who was cooking people at the Senior Bowl like yep. I'd much rather talk about that but I have fortunately been educated in all this stuff so I can't and and look it's the sport we cover so you have to pay attention to how it's all organized we actually had Mike Giardi on our show Boston Sports Journal today on Mac and Cuban Birmingham and he brought up the the kid from New Hampshire apparently so loudy baby so yeah. Uh, I told him I haven't seen the tape on New Hampshire, and I don't say that very often. Um, I think, as I know. you know, there's not many I can say that about, but I meant to go watch him. Um, all right, so let's talk NCAA. Um, you and I actually had a quick conversation about this the other day. One of the things that sort of frustrates me a little bit is uh, the funeral announcements, I guess, that are going out for the NCAA mm-hmm. now that this lawsuit has been announced. Um, first off, I've seen a lot of those over the years. A lot of people have told me that this is what will finally kill the NCAA. I'm just interested in where you are on, and I know it's a much bigger conversation, but from that aspect of, is this what will finally end the NCAA or end big college football's relationship with the NCAA? See, I I don't know that anybody's trying to end the NCAA. Like, well, that's what people well, understand. I could, send you some, I could send you some tweets. Oh, I know, they're, I know. They're, they're I, I've seen there, it all but. too. But I don't think people understand the schools are the NCAA. They can still 
have an NCAA. Like the NCAA is a great event management company. They put on, I would argue that the, the, the NCAA tournament, the, the basketball tournament is the best event in American sports. So like they're good at that, but their function as rule maker and rule enforcer may change or the rules just may change. And the schools may still be operating under the auspices of the NCAA, but it'll look completely different. Right. And, and so just before we started recording, you had this announcement from the Big Ten and the SEC that Tony Petiti and Greg Sankey are going to get together and form an advisory group. Yeah, that's an, that, it, that sounds like a takeover to me. And <laughs> But that, that it may need to happen. That may be what, what it needs to get where it needs to go because the the – system is currently constructed, I think it can continue to function. I think it'd be quite an adventure letting it function this way forever. Uh, It's a lot of fun to cover, but if I worked in it, I I would be like, oh God, we got to figure something out. And that's exactly what they're trying to do is figure something out where they can have a relative structure that doesn't get them dragged into federal court every five minutes. Okay. So before we go forward, just give us your behind the scenes hypothesis or thought on what exactly you think that that get together really does indicate or mean. So I think it's the opposite of the Alliance. You remember when the Alliance was formed and, and you had the ACC and the big 10 and the PAC 12 and they're like, we all looked each other in the eyes and we're, and we're going to, we're going to do this for the betterment of college sports, but they didn't actually have a plan to do anything. And in the end, at the end of the day, all the Alliance did was keep the college football playoff from expanding earlier, which conveniently enough allowed the Big Ten to finish its TV deal without another competing product in the marketplace. So essentially the alliance was Kevin Warren, the then Big Ten commissioner, pulling an okie doke on a couple of marks. And that's very different here. This is two equals, the SEC and the Big Ten, that run a very different business than anybody else in college sports. They are, the, they are the most similar, and they are very different from everybody else. The ACC and the Big 12 are the closest, but I think there's a reason they didn't even get invited into the clubhouse here. So these two have the capability to say, we want to do something completely different. Right. And they can do it. And whether that's create a new subdivision, whether that's create a super league, whether that's you know move outside of the NCAA, or change things within the NCAA. They can do it all. They say they don't want to to replace the NCAA. They say they want everybody involved. They want a robust national framework. But like I said, there's a reason they didn't invite anybody else in the clubhouse. So one of the things that I, I love that I have kind of stolen from you at times and tried to credit you for that you have said multiple times. I appreciate that. That I think is just brilliant is... With all the folks who say, you got to change this, we need guardrails or go to employment status, we need contracts, we need a union, whatever it is. You've been the one consistent voice that has said, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you're a college football player right now, college athlete, you don't want anything to change. It is exactly the way that you would want. It's as good as it could possibly be for a college athlete right now. Take us further down that path. I think most people know why you believe that, but what are some of the other things about why it probably can't get a lot better than it is right this second for the oh, athlete. It'll never get better than this for the athletes. They went from having no power to suddenly having all of the power. And 
if this case that, that Tennessee and Virginia filed against the NCAA, if they get their temporary restraining order in, I think the hearing's on February 13th, if they get their temporary restraining order, like that means all the, the NCAA's NIL rules are dismantled at that point. So the players would essentially have all of the power <laughs> in the sport. And yeah, I mean, they, they are free agents every, not even every year, they're free agents every week, essentially. And they can just command more, like they don't have a contract, so they can just command more money over and over and over again. They always have leverage if they're, if they're playing well. Right. And so that is as good as it will get from that standpoint. If the schools would like a situation where they're not getting dragged into court all the time, the way to do that is to collectively bargain with the athletes. Now, you, you've got to make them employees to do that, which the schools don't want to do. But I think, especially if we're talking about two conferences that run a much different business than everybody else, that size business, it actually might solve a lot of their problems. And here's the thing. We always talk about the NFL PA, the NBA PA, very powerful unions. The college football players union or the college athletes union would be the weakest union in all of American sports. <laughs> it would get steamrolled. They'd be like, we would like 50% of the revenue. And the schools would be like, we'll give you 19. And, and they'll be like, 20 it is. So going down that path. Is there an in-between? Because one of the things that you and I, and one of the reasons I want to have you on today is you and I are on different sides of this in different ways, but I feel like it makes for a great conversation because I do learn from you when I read about this and listen to you on this topic once again, because I just, I kind of despise it, but I think people are interested in it. And I think there's a lot of people like me that aren't very educated on it. Is there an in-between down the road? Because one of the things I said was, Andy, 133 teams will never collectively bargain. You got all these people transferring, all these guys graduating, all these freshmen coming in. Like, it's just, they're on all different levels. And you kind of rebutted that with, yeah, but 40, yeah. 42, and, and also, 60, 58 thinking, maybe could. And if we think about the limited, like, because part of your, your argument on that is the limited time of a college football career, you know, four or five years. But what's the average length of an NFL career? Yeah, it's fair. So I, that's it. And, and remember, the, and we've actually seen this in the court system. Somebody reminded me about the Maurice Claret decision. Uh, even though college athlete or, you know, prospective NFL players are not at the bargaining table, their rules tend to hold up. Like when Maurice Claret challenged the age limit, he won in a lower court, but then it was overturned in the circuit court. And that thing's held up. And you can say, well, he didn't get a chance to bargain for that, but the judges like the other players did. So it's fine. Right. So do you see an in-between anywhere with maybe not NFL, Major League Baseball type collective bargaining, maybe not full-time employee status, which a lot of people are saying that they want it to go. I want to get to some of the dangers of that if we were to get there at some point in a moment. But is there a, because one of the things that I think, I think the biggest problem with the NCAA and big time collegiate athletics right now, or mainly the last three to five years, there is no meat in the middle. There is no, you know what? We'll give a little to gain a little here. It's we want it our way and it's never going to be enough. And then the NCAA has turned into, you know what? There's not a lot we can do about it. So just take it all and you can have it. Well, all. you know why the players are like that? Because the schools were like that for decades. Fair enough. They would and never give an inch. them to be that. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you, if you've got a group that'll never give an inch, you just take everything you can get. 
I mean, it, it was the, the schools are, are a perfect example of pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered in this situation. And so, you know, what do you do? I am very curious to see if there are solutions where they don't have to be fully employees or could they be gig workers? You know, there are lots of situations, especially in our business, in the media business. Yeah. We have lots of business, uh, you know, situations where we're independent contractors. Mm-hmm. So, could you negotiate? And and I believe I'm trying to remember. There was a sports league, I believe the LPGA, where their their players did negotiate with the the league, but it's not like they're not employees of the league. I think, and, and I think you're seeing that with the PGA now too. And we can we don't need to get into all that with with <laughs> live and everything. But so there are some some different situations where a creative group of people can probably figure something out. I think it would be it'd be interesting to see if they could. And let's go further with that. If because I I've got people that I've seen heard that are saying, "Why don't we just get rid of this all, make them employees? I don't even care if they go to school anymore." Which <laughs> I don't think you really want that. I I, I, really I don't, yeah, I don't because the all of it in in these antitrust cases, you have to be able to give what's called a pro competitive justification for the the restriction you're doing, and the NCAA has been very bad at that. But the one thing I do feel like is a pro-competitive justification that people actually like, that people do care about, is that they are students at the school. Like, I, I realize that sounds very simplistic, but that might be the only thing that actually matters. Because if they get money, you, I, I, you got tweeted by the same people I did. Like, I'm never going to watch it again if they get paid. Bullshit. You're watching it. We see the numbers. So it's like the NFL stuff, whether it was Anthem, whatever it was. I can remember being on air saying, guys, I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you. The things that the NFL would have to do to me and my family for me to swear (laughs) off watching their product again, I cannot repeat via FCC guidelines. So in other words, I'm not going to quit watching it. Um, But yeah, it's uh, and one of the crazy parts about all of this mess, so to speak, whether it's portal, whether it's lawsuits, whether it's NIL, the sport feels as or more popular than it's ever been. And I think a large portion of that is just flat point and blank the news cycle. We talk about it every day. I also think the player movement, like player movement in sports. And remember, every single league has fought player movement because everybody likes to know what their costs are going to be. Right. Over the longest period of time possible. So Major League Baseball, Kurt Flood, you know, Marvin Miller, NFL, Freeman McNeil versus the NFL. Like all of these cases, they've all fought it and it isn't was wound up once they lost it, making the sport more popular. So people like player movement. Like I actually think it goes too far in the NBA because I think there's people who love NBA free agency more than they like basketball. Like (laughs) Well, there's That's, more. There's more of of dumping money and and finding ways to zero out contracts on on your side of things, and then you get yeah. you have multi team trades. Not and I'm, well, I mean three way team trade. Like it's just yeah. it's, it's a lot to keep up with, and I, I agree with you. I think it's a little much there at times. But if we keep going down this path of employee, and I don't want to go way too in the weeds on this, but as simple as you can make it, where does Title IX come into this and where should the real threats be discussed of, hey, if you get to this point, 
Mm-hmm. Be careful with your women's basketball program, your volleyball program, your tennis program, the swimming, the golf, the things of that nature. You have to find out, and, and this, is, this is something they're going to have to deal with, with their universities and with, with people in Congress. Where is, where is the line for Title IX? Is it everyone needs the same opportunity or everybody needs the same money? Because if everybody needs the same money, Forget that's it. probably not going to work. Yeah. Because you're not going to pay a volleyball player what you're going to pay a football player because a football player brings in a lot more money. And so they got to figure that part out. Now, it may be that you have to pay a certain number of women's athletes. And that's your tax for operating the very profitable venture that is your major college football team. And, you know, I, I've, I've compared that to other industries. Like, I don't think that Delta wants to put all that safety equipment on a plane. It's really expensive. But the FAA makes them, and if they'd like to keep flying people for money, they have to. So it wouldn't be that unheard of in, in, in American industry that you have to, to appease the government, do some stuff that, that you wouldn't do if you were purely trying to push profits as high as possible. But I also wonder, like, one, the, the best idea I've heard about employees, if you're going to do employees, you don't do employees at the schools because the schools are in different states. They're multiple, you know, all, most of them are public institutions. Like you have, you have states where public employees are, are not allowed to unionize. So yeah. like you can't collectively bargain with it. I mean, you actually, like in this case, you, you need to. So, like, so you can have the rules. So I would think if you did it, you would make the players employees of the conference. That way you're dealing with a private entity with one state's employment laws governing you. And I think that probably helps you a little bit on that front. And then it maybe allows you to separate it. And maybe you just separate football. Or maybe you separate football and the two basketballs from everything Man, else. So but I'm just kind of thinking down the road on that. Conferences could then fire student athletes? Well, they fire them now. What's the difference? I, okay. From the conference, though, I, <laughs> I feel like that's something that people would um, – might struggle with initially just the, the well, idea people, the thought of people it. are under the but, impression that that schools were running a charity and that that nobody ever got told they needed to transfer to fcs or that there wasn't going to be a place for them on the team <laughs> next year or uh this guy failed four weed tests and he's still on the team but you failed one and you're out of here like yeah. we, we all know that happened we call it being processed um, exactly. But yeah, it's been, it's been taking place. That's why things like gray shirting was invented and uh, all these other workarounds. Uh, and the, the best part may be the guys that were deemed medically ineligible to school. And like two, yeah. six months later, wait, he's eligible at UNA? I, I don't understand. Like, Found a doctor. Can, wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, that can take place too. Medical Marvel. No, it's, it, it is. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, a lot of it is people just, you know, I think most people's eyes have been opened as to how the business works at this yes. point. And they realize it was not all sunshine and lollipops before. So I don't think most people care if the players get paid. I think the people who say they care for the most part, they keep watching. So that doesn't matter either. Uh, you know, the employee thing would probably allow you to have a salary cap which would be its own interesting thing. Cause how would you separate? Like, yeah, I talked to all these people who are, you know, athletic directors or, you know, leaders in college sports and 
most of them initially when they're like, okay, well, how would that work? How would you pay everybody the same? I'm like, no, 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 you don't get it. You don't pay everybody the same. You pay everybody what they're worth under the cap. That's what you do. And people, I don't understand why everyone struggles with this with college sports, but not in their real life. Like if you are, let's say you are a junior vice president at a company, you walk into the building. Does the janitor punch you in the face because you make more money than him? No, we all understand some people are more valuable to the organization than others. And that is expressed in their paycheck. But what if, uh, cause I think the, I think the common rebuttal to that for the general public would be, yeah, but there are players out there that are deemed to have that importance. We mm -hmm. don't necessarily know yet. We're calling it something that it's really not NIL, but well, it's yeah, but that's, being utilized that was just, that was just to get you there. But yeah, that was just so stupid. People would pass the rules. Like everybody knew that was going to be pay for play. Like, some people did not, were not aware that that was how that was going to work. Um, so if we go down the path that you're discussing now, what goes away is, does NIL become real? Do collectives go away? Yeah. Where, where, where yeah. does that kind I mean, of funding the, the, go the, the in The stupidest in thing world? about college sports through the decades is how they've enabled the middleman. Like, whether it's the dude who drove a bunch of high school recruits in a van to nine schools in nine days and got an envelope of cash under his, his hotel room door every night, like that middleman, you don't need that guy anymore. Like the collective is a middleman that isn't necessary. It's, it's one, it's a workaround that came up because everybody was like, well, we can't have the schools paying them. Why not? Like employee what status. What will or, happen if they yeah. do nothing? So what? I do think that that some of the collectors are a little bit different. I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. In that, there are some that I think just realized we have to do this. I love my school. I want to win. And then some mm -hmm. of those, you know, some of those sort of hanger honors uh, tried to yeah. begin to prop some things up too. Like I want to be the big man on campus again, and yeah. I want to show how important then, I am. That definitely two different types. And the, the ones who want to be the big man are going to be very disappointed when all this stuff changes. Meanwhile, the other ones who've just been doing it out of the kindness of their hearts and because they love their school, they're going to be, I mean, thank God, <laughs> like, please take it. I don't want to do it anymore. And, you know, the, it's, the other part of this is it's just, it's, it's a more honest way of, of just paying somebody. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like we all know they're being paid for their ability as football players. It would be stupid to do anything else. So like, it would be nice if they could just be intellectually honest about it. I, and I, cause there are a lot of folks too, that say even through NIL that if this was all public record, I think a lot of the drama would go away and a lot of the concern or a lot of the anger yeah. or a lot now, of the questions. What would I'm go curious away. about is will amounts come out like they do in the NFL and NBA. So the reason the amounts of the salaries come out in the NFL is the agents want the, the initial contract number out there. They want to know, they want to be able to say, I got this guy this much, but the teams want the guaranteed number out there. We didn't mortgage our entire future on this dude. Right. And so that's how all that money, you know, those numbers get out. Um, I don't know if it would happen that way, but I imagine it would happen in a fairly similar fashion because the agents who represent NFL players are going to be the same people representing the college football players in this. Isn't that a lot of what's happening right now? 
with some of the in, in You've clarified for me in a lot of different times that, no, this these numbers are real. A lot of these numbers that people think are just being thrown around are real, some of the bigger numbers, but then there are some that aren't. And I think we Like we the know. huge numbers aren't necessarily real. But those but agents want ones, those numbers out there. Yeah. And they go to the yeah. next five-star quarterback and say, look yeah. what I got that guy. But here's here's how the the collectives combat this, and and you could the schools could do this too, and and would do this because they're they're in conferences together, so they do share information. The collectives are having a convention in Orlando right now. Yep. Like a bunch of them are in, at a con- Do you think they're not sharing information at least in the aggregate about what they're paying people? You would think to so. help control the market to make sure they're as educated about the market. that is and, and that's what our employers do cole like our employers know how much people like us make generally so that if I, if if i come in with an outrageous demand they can just laugh at me and what they're not the, going to be suckers uh, and just say yes what was the google apple whatever it was yeah that you gave me the other day okay so th- this happened and, and this is my example this is when i try to explain why the rules are are being challenged in court and why they don't have much of a chance in court because it's price fixing. It's it's basically potential employers or compensators, I guess, since they're not employers in this case, but people who would be, you know, setting rules for your compensation, getting together to suppress the wages. And it happened in I, I think the case was filed in 2011. It was settled in 2014. It was Google, Apple, Intel, and Adobe were basically sharing information about what they pay engineers and had like a loose agreement not to overpay right or not to go over certain amounts and that's illegal all right competitors so competitors aren't competitors are supposed to compete and sometimes you have to overpay to do that i mean yeah. you you've mentioned yeah. professional sports multiple times Yep. How many times have we seen a professional sports team overpay for a guy thinking it's going to change their franchise? Sometimes it mm-hmm. did, sometimes it didn't. Then on the flip side of that, as you stated, some guys wanting that number out there publicly for a reason. Patrick Mahomes becomes highest paid quarterback in history. Lamar Jackson passes him. Joe Burrow yep. passes him. It's just, it's just a, the step ladder is going to continue. It's never going to hit a floor or a ceiling, I guess. It's always going to right. continue to go up and down because people know what that number is and they think the guy next up should beat it. So, Well, and the other thing in college sports – that people don't understand. And this is, this is going to be a rude awakening for some people if it does go to a more professionalized model in terms of salaries for the players. You don't need all those people. Like, you don't need all those people recru- in, rec- in the recruiting office. You don't need all those people, those analysts. Like, they're not necessary. You don't need to rebuild your building every three years. You don't need to redo your weight room every two years. Like, they're... They're only doing that because they have to spend the money on something. And why are they doing it? Because the other seven schools that they compete with on an annual basis are doing it too. Like also because they, they have to spend the money. And all, like fair, yeah. coaching salaries are going to go down too. Like Kirby Smart is still going to make what he makes because he's the best. But ADs are going to become far more aware of replacement value. And like if you got a coach who goes seven and five every year and he comes in and says, I need an extension – because I need to have four years left on my deal, or I can't recruit. Negative. You recruiting. tell them to pound yeah. sand. I can find somebody else to go seven and five. <laughs> it's, it's funny on our group text. I have an O line group text, and Jeff Schwartz. We were talking some similar this the other day. He's like, guys, the Giants locker room doesn't even have chairs with backs on them. Like, <laughs> they, like they don't care 
<laughs> it doesn't matter how nice the weight room is or the, yep. it doesn't matter if you have a plasma TV in your locker, like you're getting what you're getting. You're playing in the NFL. None of that stuff matters. Um, yep. But I, I want to go there with you on coaching because uh, I've had some interesting interaction today and maybe I misled some people thinking that I was only referencing Liam Cohen, which by the way, I have had some conversations with him about this topic uh, in a very similar fashion in very recent memory. But the Jeff Halfley thing is kind of back and forth. Some people mm -hmm. are like, he had to get out. He hated it. Other people are like, no, 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 no. This is just an amazing opportunity. The no, reality I, I, is I would, I would think the rules and all that probably helped chase him. Now, Jeff Halfley, his situation was a bad, one bad season and he was going to get fired at Boston College. Which so this is what people are saying about Chip if he were to take the commander's oh, OC I, job. He's yeah, like, I, you're on your way Chip out. Leaves, if Chip leaves for the NFL, it's because he hates the system right now. And he's made that very clear. And he's made a ton of money, so he doesn't yep. have to sit there and chase the dollars anymore. But, yep. Andy, I had probably 12, 15 conversations with good assistant coaches this past college football season that all said, and since I tweeted that out earlier today, I've had three power five and two group of five coaches. I know people don't want to call it that anymore. I don't know what the hell to call it, so I'm going to keep calling it that. You can't say power five. I think, I think well, my, I my listeners agree on core four. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> wow. I feel like I'm doing them a little bit better favor than you are there, but they basically tweeted me and, or texted me and said, yeah, man, we're, we're all on our way out. Like we all want the next, we all want to try to get to the league. There's just so many, so many spots. Where mm -hmm. are you on kind of where the college coach is right now and their, oh, their mindset and what they want? Their job is really hard right now. And I, I, I feel for him because you can go to the NFL and do half the work and the 50% of the work you cut out is complete, you know, mess that you don't want to deal with most of the time. And the 50% you actually do is the thing you actually enjoy. Right. So it makes perfect sense. And in most that cases, said, make more money to go do it. Mm, Not all, but yeah. in, a, in a lot. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. If you don't like it. There's a hundred people who apply for your job tomorrow. Like that's, that's the one thing I, I, as a sports writer, I have understood my entire life. Like I am blessed to have my job because if I leave a thousand people will apply for my job tomorrow. Okay. All right. So this is where it's going to get fun. So how do you have that mindset there? But then when I tell you that I don't feel sorry for college football players and if they don't like it, they could just go mm -hmm. buy groceries at Publix. You take a mm -hmm. completely different stance on that. Oh, no, they can go bad groceries with Publix, but they also could take the schools to court and win. And they have. <laughs> like, a that, lot of times. That's the thing. Yeah. We all have our <laughs> options. And you just have to decide based on the, the, the options available to you what to do. It's totally fair. And it's, um, it's, just, it's wild to think about right now from a coaching perspective. How much of this do you think if we could solve or at least limit or come up with a real answer to the transfer portal – of this calms down, like how much of oh, this sort of evens of out? I think that's, I think it. that is the problem. Yeah, because I, I I think it's the combination. Like NIL isn't necessarily the issue; it's the combination of NIL and unlimited transfers. Yes, like that's what. If you had a situation where somebody was signed to a deal that would be a certain amount of time, and you knew how much time that was, and you could plan for it, then I think that would calm it all down. And look. If you had a system like that, if I were a five-star recruit, I would sign a one-year deal. Yeah. If I was a zero-star recruit that I thought, and I thought I was pretty good 
or being under-recruited, I might sign a one-year deal. If I was a three-star recruit and I thought I was right where I need to be, I'd be like, what's the longest deal I can sign? Like that, that, Those decisions would get made that way. And oh, yeah, it would make everything easier for coaches because it's not, it cannot be fun. It cannot be easy to have to deal with guys coming in constantly. I need more money. I need more. Like th- it's no way to run anything. But and then if they don't get it, clear. they can walk at any yeah. point. Yeah. The court was pretty clear on it. If you would like to enforce non-competes, then make them employees. Yep. Like I have a non-compete. You have a non-compete. We all do. It's it's part of being an employee. Absolutely. All right. So let's kind of finish where I feel like a lot of this started, even though it technically started however many 50, 75 years ago. And that is what's happening at Tennessee right now. Um, a couple of things. One, I feel like a lot of the verbiage and the way that things are being directed at the NCAA is kind of like stepping into the ring with Superman after you found <laughs> out about kryptonite. Like, probably wouldn't have done that if you didn't know about the big green rock before. But now that we have it, yeah, man, let's go. I'd be glad to get in the ring with you and go toe to toe. Two, there's nothing even out there. We don't even know what the NCAA is looking yeah, into we do. or Matt about. We leaked it to the New York Times. It's about private private jet flights for Nico. See, that's the thing. Everybody's like, oh, we don't know. Yeah, we do. They leaked it. <laughs> but it's not official. It's not, it's not, it hasn't officially been announced or the notice of allegations hasn't come in. So, But it sounds like you think that this stance was necessary just based on the fact that something was allegedly leaked. See, I'm not going to go there like you did. I'm still going to say I I don't have a problem. Like, you go ahead and sue me and (laughs) prove you didn't leak it. (laughs) So, um, no, I I just think that in this case, yeah, they discovered kryptonite. Well, if you discovered kryptonite, why wouldn't you use it? Absolutely. and Tennessee's in a in a unique position. Like this is and and this is not this is of Tennessee's making. Like they weaponized the NCAA against Jeremy Pruitt. They went and dug up a bunch of stuff. Like Tennessee hired an investigator to dig up a bunch of stuff on Jeremy Pruitt so that they could fire him without paying him a $13 million buyout. And use the NCAA as the vessel for that. So, so, one, you I think would, he, so you would agree then that some of the verbiage about how cooperative they've been is semi-annoying because of that. I think it's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> I think it's hysterical. We know why you did it to this. Right. Like, you wanted your not, coach gone without giving him a check. We got it. Yeah. yeah. So, but that put them in a precarious position because if they were to be caught doing something else, breaking another NCAA rule, they would be deemed a repeat violator and yeah. be subject to more harsh penalties. And so they have a, a, a more dire situation where they're going to have to use something more extreme to defend themselves. Now, when they argue that everyone does this, they're right. Everyone does this. This is not like with the under the table payments 20 years ago where the schools would say everyone does this. No, some people didn't, or some people did it to a much higher degree than others. Like in this case, though, everyone handles NIL this way now. Like every every FBS school, but every big school, like every power conference type school. And you're either doing it in football or basketball or both. And it's become standard operating procedure. And a lot of the, the reason why is because the NCAA wasn't entirely clear 
on how everything should work and operate because they, they would, here's some rules. Now here's guidance where we're interpreting these rules this way. Now we're going to interpret them this way. Now we're going to have the cases be guilty and prove until proven innocent. Like all of that stuff has just been coming one after another every few months. And so that's the issue. Like it's not just Tennessee. And I think the reason the, the SEC, part of the reason the SEC and the Big Ten are getting together is now all of their schools are in the crosshairs of the NCAA. Sure. And I, I it's, it's funny because when all this came out, so I, we knew Florida was getting investigated. No Tennessee is. They've sent out multiple letters to double digit schools about this stuff. It doesn't mean they're necessarily investigating them. It might mean that. They something happened that they think raised an antenna and they're like, what happened here? What happened here? What happened here? But the schools are looking at it and going, okay, we've been operating like this for a year and a half. And they're acting like it's, you know, 1994 again, and boosters can't pay anybody like boosters can pay people now. At least that's what we thought. And so the schools understandably are worried about this. I, I don't understand why the NCAA did this unless it is just to basically commit suicide. Like, why would you go after your biggest moneymakers for something is you it, know they're all doing? What portion of this is you're so limited in where you can flex now that when that opportunity arises, you almost can't hold back? Maybe, but like we were talking about the other day, like with Tennessee, the, the one weapon they had left, I know we said it was kryptonite, but it's, it's basically a nuclear warhead. Right. Like the one weapon Tennessee had left was sue over the rules. And the university didn't do it. The state did it, yeah. which is even better for them because they have cover. But it's all being coordinated by the same people. And so they knew what this would mean. Like, Again, if that temporary restraining order gets granted, the rules are gone. Yeah. And so it, how do you solve a problem where you may have violated a rule that you didn't exactly know you were violating at the time? Make the rule go away. But it's, it's <laughs> one thing, too, that I don't think the general public, maybe they don't care, doesn't understand that that lawsuit is to essentially evaporate all NIL rules. Mm -hmm. In any of the instances that we've described, any of the possible scenarios we've described, is NIL enforceable? If it's still not, all of them, if it's still all of the schools that we talk about, I, I would agree that if we went to, yeah, if we went to like 40, maybe, uh, but you don't think that, not even with the CBA, CBA no, maybe, I, I still I think there's ways think, to snake around it and say, I actually think there's a way to do it. You just don't have any rules. Like you can not have any rules and you can just let all that happen. Right. And I don't think the world would end. In no, fact, because we, we're, we're heading down that path and we're gaining popularity. Exactly. So, and, and this is something that people seem to not be willing to admit. When the rules were at their strictest, college football was the most lopsided sport from a competitive standpoint in the country. Yep. Since this has changed and the wild, wild west or whatever people want to call it came in, it's actually gotten more competitive. Like competitive equity has increased. Yeah, I think the only way in which a lawless nature would work against the sport is if a Phil Knight or a Tim Cook 
or a T. Boone Pickens finally said, you know what? I don't care how much I take to my grave. I want to dominate <laughs> in my last few years of right. life and literally just loaded up on everybody and everything. And there was just nothing else anybody could do but about I just, it. But I, I just can't they're not going to spend their money in, that way. No, they're not. They're, they're not. The, and, I'll say this quickly. It's one of the other really smart things that I heard you say before NIL was allowed when it was being discussed is billionaires are not stupid. And yes, they want their teams to win, but they're not going to come in here and egregiously spend to the point yeah. that a lot of you think that they are. And they haven't. That's proven to be right. Oh, one other point that I'd like to make with the NIL, because this is a big reason why I think they need to move on to a system where they're, the schools are just paying the players. It's not fair to the fans. It's not fair to the fans and to the donors to be asked over and over again to pay the play. It's a, it's a tax on the fans. Like, well, we can't pay the players, so you have to. Right. And like, hell, Ajax, get, it's taxes. Right. Multiple, multiple times. Yeah. And, and I get really mad when I see the coach or the AD say, well, if you want us to win, dig deep. And it's like, aren't these people doing <laughs> enough for you? They're buying tickets. They're buying your T-shirts. They're coming and cheering loud. Like, what more do you want from them? Yeah. Like you got money coming in from TV. Stop rebuilding your weight room and give it to the players. Yep. It's uh it's wild to think about. Finally, one more quick one. If it were to go down the 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 sort of two big conference path that we referenced, how and then would you I'm not gonna say trust. I think trust is probably too strong of a word because I would trust the people involved. I guess yeah. it's more could. Could conferences legitimately police themselves? I mean, no. We've seen these people operate before. But if again, if they if you have a CBA, you've got real rules you can like the NFL has tampering rules, real tampering rules with teeth. Right. Can you imagine if college football had actual tampering rules that it, it would like to enforce? <laughs> no. Uh, it's like, not. Mm. That, that that all can be done. But you got to take that step. You have to be willing to take that step and that's I think that's the hardest part for some of these these people because, you know, the, and and it's not always their fault. Although I do kind of blame them a little bit. Like these people got told for decades that people getting money for sports was somehow immoral. Like people getting money for being good at sports was somehow immoral. And like the the majority of the public bought that for a long time too. Oh yeah. But when you think about it, and this is why it, all these arguments fall so flat in court because judges don't think that way. Like. And most of them are not giant college football fans. So they don't, they're not ingrained. And, but when you, if you think about it, really, what's the difference between a singer in college getting a ton of money for being good at singing or a football player in college getting a ton of money for being good at football? Nothing. So that's the part that I think a lot of these people who are in the business have to just get over mm -hmm. like there's nothing morally wrong with people being paid for being good at sports. It's okay. And once they do that, I think it makes figuring out the changes a little easier. I don't think there's any doubt. And I appreciate you joining me. I've, I've taken up almost an hour of your time. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you is I've, I've learned from you. Like I said, every time I read what you do or watch or listen to what you do on this, you're very informed on it. I am not. 
And then also, oh, I think- you're more informed than you than than you let on, Cole. And by the way, this is this is definitely the best episode that we've ever done, except for that lost tapes one. <laughs> Your lawyer still won't let us put the SEC that is Media the Days greatest tapes podcast <laughs> episode in the history of podcasts, except maybe the one you did with Paint. Those are the I've two best. It. They're, they're, it's one A, one B. However, you want to shuffle it out. And one, yeah, I've, one I've of these heard days, it, maybe and it's spectacular. Maybe. Um, I have not heard it, uh, but I have heard that it's out there living somewhere uh, in space, but no, I appreciate your time because I, I do think we see a couple of things in from different angles. I think we are in agreement in all the big pictures, but some of the smaller picture stuff we view in a little bit different lights and it makes for a great discussion. So, well, and that's the thing we can have that conversation without yelling at each other. Like it's pe- people can disagree. Like it's not. It's it okay. okay. It's, yeah, it's something right. that, that I, I wish everybody, you know, I wish more people felt that way, but it is like having a nice rational discussion about something you disagree on. Sometimes you find some common ground. Yep, absolutely. Well, man, thanks for joining me. Always appreciate it. Find Andy at the On3 Sports Network, YouTube. Go subscribe to his podcast. Uh, subscribe to it wherever you get your podcast as well. Like I said, it's, it's my, I'll tell you the other part too. I'm starting to wonder if maybe you're good at your job or if you're very good at selecting partners for your jobs. Um, I did want to get into why you hate uh, Domino's cheesy bread. Uh, Cause I was on board with Ari there. Um, oh I'm, I'm no, a, I'm I don't a massive hate fan. It. I Ari, So Ari Wasserman, my, my former podcast partner, he's over the athletic. He believes that Domino's cheesy bread is a top five appetizer in America among all of the restaurants in America. I love Domino's cheesy bread. I think it's delicious. I actually they they add they just added one that has pepperoni. pepperoni yeah. I don't know why it took so long, but See, it's I amazing. See, I view it as a side. I don't even view it as an app. So like it's just I, it I, I'm with, with I'm pizza. more with you. I just think there are probably five better appetizers in the entire country. But Ari's not wrong about it being delicious. Okay. All right, good. We got that cleared up then. Now, so we're we're good again. Once again, we had a conversation. We now I want cheesy air, bread, and we're all good. Yeah, no, I do too. And I'm, I don't know if I have the calories left today for that. So. <laughs> Uh, but you've hit a home run this time around, too, because I enjoy listening to you guys talk football uh, every Sunday. So thanks for hopping on, man. Always appreciate it. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, Cole. Awesome conversation there with Andy Staples. Really appreciate him joining the show. Uh, been a friend of mine for a long time in this business. Very helpful for me for a long time in this business. And he knows that part of it, as you heard him talk about with his former employer and what he was asked to do, just a little bit better than some other people. And I love the way he explains a lot of it. You do learn from him when you hear him, read him, talk about these particular topics. And he and I see some of those things just a little bit different. But it was a good conversation that we were able to have. So I appreciate Andy hopping on. One other thing to keep in mind that I want to get to here in just a moment. But first, Blue Delta Jeans had them on last night, went to dinner with a couple couples. I guess that's how you would say that. A few couples. Wife and I had a little date night with some friends, had my Blue Delta Jeans on, dressed them up with a sport coat. You can do that. You can go casual, but they're custom fit for you. Breathable, stretchy, comfortable. Dress them up, dress them down. Blue Delta Jeans, once you have a pair, you will not want another pair of denim the rest of your life. Go to BlueDeltaJeans.com now. Tell them you heard about them right here on Cube Show. And they even have digital fit now. So nobody has to come out and see you. You don't have to go see them. They have gift cards. BlueDeltaJeans.com. Tell them you heard about them right here on Cube Show. Finally, the SEC and the Big Ten are going to have a summit. They're going to meet. They're going to talk about things. Um, I think this does sort of help us understand that, yes, that train is moving down the tracks. It does look more and more like we're going to get to that at some point in time. I think how things are policed, ruled. Uh, governed 
is going to be a major factor with this. They want uh, to be able to act the way that they should act. They don't want to be held to a standard that maybe other people can't live up to or be a part of based on the financial gains that they have or don't have. And so we're going to see that separation at some point in time. Does it mean a direct pull away? I don't know. We'll see. But keep your eyes on this. It's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, I have not had a ton of time to actually dig into maybe what is going to happen, what is desired to happen, but I should have some updates on that next week. So I'll get back to you guys on that one. So appreciate you tuning in. A little bit of a different show this week. As I stated, I don't love these NCAA conversations. Wanted to clear up a few things. Wanted to talk about sort of the coaching aspect of where things are headed, where things are going, and why it's a little bit bothersome to me. The ceiling is not crashing on college football, but it is forever changing. And we'll have more to discuss on that next week on Cube Show. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.